sit back and relax. It's time for Plato at the Hub. Welcome to Plato at the Hub with your hosts Hugo and Joy. Each month they bring you a vivid personal conversation which aims to enhance your self-cultivation and stimulate your personal growth. Thank you all for listening. Now let's turn to our guests. Okay, welcome and good evening and thank you for tuning in. Um, and I think I speak on behalf of Joy that we are super excited to uh, broadcast our first episode of a brand new podcast called Plato at the Hub or Plato at the Hub. Um, and actually in the COVID times, uh, Joy and I thought, well, in these distant times, we don't see each other that often. It might be nice to actually cl- create a platform or a, uh, a channel to reconnect and to inspire each other to talk about things about life etc and this is actually the reason why we um, well set up this podcast so first of all we wanted to um, give a big thank you to uh, the hub of buas um, specifically charlie hicks and oscar bastians for setting this up and also marike jacobs for producing this episode now this will not only be a one-off podcast no this will take place every first thursday of the month at 8 p.m. on hub.buos.nl. And you can listen to it live or you can watch it or listen listen to it afterwards on platforms that will soon be announced. So this is a podcast uh, in which we will have, you know, just an informal and personal conversation. So if you have something to share, it doesn't matter if you are a lecturer, a student, or a resident in the elderly home just next to the campus, please let us know and uh, you can be a a part of this podcast. My name is Hugo Mutsaat and currently I'm a lecturer and researcher at Breda University. And um, well, honestly, I am very passionate about thinking, reading and talking about ideas that make our world a tiny bit better. So let's try to do that in this podcast today in this first episode. So the first episode, and we will talk about keeping up appearances by creating personal images in a fake world. And uh, today I do this with Joy Bergs, who for the rest of the episodes will be uh, my co-host. But today, actually, she will be our first guest. And um, Joy Bergs is a lecturer in research and design at Breda University. And besides that, she is a PhD candidate that focuses her research on personal image construction at work, in private life and in online settings. She looks at how upholding perfect images of ourselves may relate to both positive and negative consequences. Joy loves cracking books about any topic related to self-cultivation. Her life's mission is to connect, connect, connecting people with each other and connecting people with their own selves, their own identity, their aspirations and their purpose in life. Wow. That's quite an intro, uh, Joy. Welcome, uh, Joy. How are you this evening? Oh, Hugo, I'm almost amazed by the introduction you have just given me. I'm very happy and excited to be here as well. Um, as you just mentioned, I think we have both an aspiration to reconnect to our students and to other lecturers and all the folks that are interested in listening tonight. And um, I'm happy to share my vision on the topic that I'm passionate about, that I'm curious about, and that I conduct my research in. Okay, nice, very nice. Um, I actually already brought it up in the intro, but imagine, um, and it's in these times quite hard to imagine, imagine you are in the bar, uh, like uh, 1 p.m. and somebody approaches you and asks you, what are you doing? What's your research about? You had a couple of drinks. What would you, in a few sentences, tell him or her about your research project? Well, in a few sentences, that's always where I get well, stuck. It can be more if you want. <laughs> well, my research is about 
how young professionals, uh, including myself actually, sometimes tend to create ideal images of ourselves. And we tend to create perfect images, not only at work, um, in our private life, as well as online. So also thinking about social media, Instagram, Facebook, and so on. My idea is that if you look at um, actually mental health complaints, we often see that mental health complaints are said to be caused by uh, work demands. Whereas I think if we connect it to this image construction, I believe that constantly trying to uphold a certain image of yourself and trying to raise your own personal bar um, also results in a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves. And my research is about finding out how this image construction process, this is how I uh, want to call it in the research, may also be causing these mental health complaints. Um, so I try to look at how that image construction process can result in both positive consequences, such as increased self-esteem, self-efficacy, maybe status, respect in society, but as well leading to negative consequences, such as detrimental health complaints, such as burnout uh, and depressive complaints. Very interesting. And um, well, y you already mentioned, you br brought it up already in the b before this podcast, it's about uh, uh, private life, professional life, and online settings. Could you give an example how that reconstruction or construction of images, uh, the process of that, how it works? Could you give me an example of that? Yeah, so my idea is that um, each individual has different types of domains in their lives. And I consider these as the work and the non-work domains. The work domain consists of your professional life, the non-work domains of these private settings and online settings. The idea is that um, someone wants to try to create a desired image. So how would they like to be seen by other people at work? Um, for example, if you are going to a conference, for, for me example, um, I go to a conference and I realize, okay, I'm a female lady, I'm 28 years old, I'm blonde. Uh, how are they going to take me seriously? So the moment that I get there, I try to monitor my environment. I try to see how people are responding to me and how I can create an image that they take me seriously. Mm -hmm. Then when I drive back home from the conference, I enter my private domain. So this is really where you make that transition from your professional life to your personal life. The moment that I make that transition, it's like switching a cap. So I then switch to the role of, for example, being the best friend that is always there for her friends and that needs to respond to WhatsApp messages. So then you try to create that ideal image of the best friend. And this is my idea that the moment you make that role transition between your professional life, your personal life, or maybe to then to an online setting, um, you use different kind of strategies. We call these in research impression management strategies of how you would like to be seen by other people and how can you invest energy, time, um, maybe even money to switch between those different images in the work and the non-work domains. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. I, by the way, forgot to mention that we in this podcast try to, you know, connect uh, philosophy, sociology and psychology, those, those themes. So my question would be, uh, of course, I understand that, especially in online uh, times, it is, well, increasingly um, um, occurring, but isn't it just human behavior in general that we look around and we look how other people behave and how we can adapt to that other behavior in order to cooperate and to belong really yeah. to to be effective in life yeah what's your 
idea on that? Well, I think you make a really good point there because one of the basic human needs is the need for belonging. We want to belong. We want to have a feeling of confirmation and acceptance of other people. Um, but what I see happening is that um, in the past we wanted to belong to the safety pillars such as religion. And nowadays we see that religion is disappearing and we try to find other groups that we find that, that sense of belonging in. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I strongly believe by, that, by, by f that by the fact that religion is fading away, that people still try to seek for confirmation and acceptance of other people, but they do this in these different kind of life domains. And I think the online setting is, is almost replacing that, that religion. So I think the digital world is actually becoming a, a new religion by itself. Social media is religion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I know you a little bit uh, in person, and uh, it seems to me that you are really passionate about this this topic, um, and that you're also intrinsically motivated uh, about this topic. Could you share with us a little bit why this is so important to you um, as a person, as a human being? Mm -hmm. Somehow, if I look around me, and if I talk to friends, if I talk to people that are dear to me, I do realize that we tend to set the bar for ourselves very high. And we, we like, even if you, if you look at the media, we are constantly bombarded by slogans such as push yourself beyond your limits, go beyond your comfort zone. You only live once, fear of missing out, all of these kind of slogans. And this is what we take in. So why it's so dear to me is because if you look at, now, well, for example, burnout complaints, we see that in general uh, of the whole population in the Netherlands, 17% experiences burnout complaints. If you specifically look at my general, well, not my generation, but my age group, so the age group from 25 to 35, we see that 21... Luckily, I'm in it as well. You're in it as well, right? Thank yeah. You. Oh, yeah. damn it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we see that 21% of our, uh, our age group of 25 to 35 experiences such complaints. So why is this and how did this change over the time? I'm, I'm so curious about the exact causes of this and um, what we can actually do about this. So... Mm. What you also mentioned in the beginning, like what is my life's mission? I want to make sure that people get, get reconnected to themselves again and to make sure that we don't fall for these uh, for this competitive world, I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I've been thinking a lot about it uh, in the past weeks. Um, to what extent do you think that the way we have been raised by our parents and also by Western society plays a role in this, this phenomenon? Mm -hmm. um, I believe those are actually two different aspects. So I think in Western society, we tend to create certain norms and expectations that we feel like society is putting on us. So how you should behave, how you should perform at work, uh, how you should perform um, in, in your private life. These are certain norms and expectations that we try to live up to. The moment that we try to live up to those norms and expectations, um, we set the bar in such a way that high that it also is self-reinforcing. So the moment that you, for example, start working here at Buas at seven o'clock in the morning and you end at five o'clock in the afternoon, then I think as, a, as another employee, oh, maybe I should do this as well. The moment I start doing this, uh, you may see actually like, okay, maybe I should start working even more. So I think in that way, societal norms and expectations are putting a lot of pressure on us. 
besides that, you mentioned the parental expectations or parental influence. I think that we are in need of good enough parents. And this is something that um, Paul Verhagen uh, brought up in his book Intimacy. And he mentioned that rather than being not never good enough parents, so it's never good enough, you always need to step step do one step more. I think that good enough parents need to emphasize that it's okay what their kids are doing and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to sometimes fall down and fail as long as you feel forward, you know, but that is always good enough what you're doing. And I think that's what the world needs a little bit more right now. I thought because um, uh, I'm a parent myself, a father myself of two uh, since since a couple of uh, weeks, um, I thought you were going to say that parents should feel they are good enough parents was that your point or were you saying that children are good enough because i actually think it, it works both ways yeah um I, I often have the feeling well i'm I, I made a mistake or i'm not perfect and i should do something about it but actually you're saying no it's okay it's okay if you're not perfect as long as you are well uh, well conscious about it and are willing to talk about it or what, what? yeah well i mean how do you experience it in the end you are the example for your kids Mm-hmm. So also if Sam, your kid, is growing up um, and he sees that his dad is allowed to make mistakes, then it's for him also okay. Um, and, and you now mention like, okay, sometimes I feel like, okay, I'm making a mistake. Well, the question is in what area? When do you feel like you're not being good enough as a parent? Is that a question that to me? That is a question to you. Ooh, um, I think it has something to do with patience. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so. Uh, let's say um, I explained something or I, I, I told Adam, my other uh, our other son, something to do or not to do and he does it in another way and, uh, you know, th- those kinds of things. And then I might be a little bit impatient maybe. And what happens then? Uh, I get a little bit agitated and then I, I'm, I'm conscious of it, of course. So I, I also try to talk about it with, with my son, not with the, uh, with uh, with Sam because he only, he's mm-hmm. only four weeks old. But... Um, I talked. I, I tried to talk about it, about it, what happened, and why I re- responded in a certain way. So I really tried to work on that, also, of course, yes. Yeah, and I think the moment you then realize, hey, this is maybe something I did wrong, but it's okay to be sometimes wrong, then you realize, okay, I'm a good enough parent. But also, Adam and Sam see that, like, okay, it's okay to make mistakes, and it's also for them um, okay to make mistakes. So also to be good enough by who they are. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, let's go back to parenting. Well, we'll talk about parenting, but the way we were raised by by our parents uh, and by uh, by society. I I really would like to to combine those two perspectives because I feel that we have been raised by uh, with the idea that we can design and engineer our own lives. We can do whatever we want. We want. We can achieve whatever we want. And um, um, and if you if you fail to do that, and often you fail because life is unpredictable and and works out differently than you thought it would be, uh, would would do, um, then then it, you you're our failure. You you failed to to design your own life, your own success. Does that also play a role in in this topic? You think? Oh, I think this is actually exactly what it is all about. Um, li- we 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 say it right. Li- you can engineer your own life. The moment you are not successful, then you fail in life. Just before I already mentioned that religion is fading out. Um, What we saw in the past was that 
Actually, life itself was a means to get to afterlife. Um, the only thing you had to do in life was to be uh, devout. And then your life was succeeding and you got to afterlife. Nowadays, um, life itself is the only life you have. So you need to make it a success. And if you don't make it a success in each area of your life, so in your career, in your parenting life, with your perfect body, with your um, great social media account, uh, only thinking about youngsters that have a bucket list. You need to check off all these things you want to accomplish because then in the end you can say, okay, my life has been successful, so I succeeded in my life. Um, but when is it then good enough? And are you even able to tick all those boxes, especially when you can compare your achievements to others' achievements. So you will always see someone else that, that traveled farther, that, mm -hmm. that, that accomplished more, that mm -hmm. was a better parent and so on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, now I can imagine that uh, students are listening, lecturers maybe, maybe the, that resident from the elderly home just next to the campus. Um, what can they gain from this research? So I understand that, that the elderly home is something is a different t target group than the student maybe but could you give some some insights maybe personal insights that could help the listeners to, of this podcast to maybe change their mindsets or their behaviors um, um, in the future well first of all for me it is about raising awareness about this topic um there's a few things that i want to create awareness about and that's that that um that that part on social comparison. So I always call this comparanoia that we sometimes tend to obsessively compare ourselves to other people. And as I just mentioned there, there's always going to be someone smarter, funnier, wiser, prettier than you. Um, but we're all just here doing our own thing and we're all good enough actually. Um, so I think becoming more aware of when you compare yourself to other people. Furthermore, I think they can benefit from it by getting back into conversations with each other actually what we're doing right now so mm -hmm. reconnect showing true interest in other people um and and not in a way to to compare yourself with them to see hey where are you standing where am i standing and how can i um decrease that gap no by actually showing true interest in other people i think that is important and finally um compassion and not only compassion towards other people but also towards yourself because we sometimes tend to be so strict towards ourselves. Even if you look into the mirror or you see your accomplishments, um, yeah, you, we are mo the, the most, uh, the person that we are most strict to is often ourselves. It's not the other person that is strict to us, but we put so much pressure mm -hmm. on us. So I think awareness about that is, Im is important. Okay. I totally agree. But I also have to say that uh, we're both alumni of uh, hotel and facility management. We work at that academy. And there's also a little voice in the back of my head that says, well, this is, of course, I understand where you're coming from and I understand your, your arguments, but we have to, uh, you know, we have to achieve um, organizational goals. We have to uh, be efficient. We have to uh, gain more profits, you know. Um, so how do you combine those two perspectives of more compassion, to, compassion towards yourself and towards um, uh, colleagues and at the same time uh, working on organizational goals such as more profits, uh, working more efficient, uh, productivity, those kinds of things. 
Um, I think it's difficult to to compare personal goals with the organizational goals because I think uh, organizational goals is is um, is something which is still aligned to uh, the organization itself. And if you work there and you all have a certain vision and you strive to 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 get to that uh, strategic point in time that everyone wants to work together to work towards that mission. Um, I do, however, think if you talk about personal goals, um, that still it's fine to challenge yourself and to push yourself and to, to create certain goals, as long as you realize that it is sometimes also good enough. So if, if um, I don't know, actually just to, to you how do you experience that question then how do you see it for yourself that you want to work towards the company's profits or goals well i i i, I you i worked as a as a team manager and i i feel that dilemma between being compassionate towards yourself and towards your team but also feeling the incentives and the the goals that are, the targets that have been set yeah. to and and to to accomplish those yeah. that that feels like a dilemma uh, nowadays it might change yeah. uh, over time but it feels like a dilemma well i think in the end it's okay to together strive towards certain goals the the problem comes in is when you want to be that ideal worker that helps the organization to push them towards their profits and their goals and their their strategy but besides that you want to be the ideal parent for uh, sam and adam um now you make it very personal yeah i know sorry Jake. it's the best example of this podcast <laughs> Um, but you also want to be the ideal parent that that takes on their parent days and that's there with their soccer games. And at at the same time, you want to travel the world and you want to invest a lot of time and energy in that. So I think the problem comes in not in, in pushing towards the organization's goals, but in um, trying to invest 100% of energy and time in all of those domains in life. And that's what we just don't have. We don't have 100% of energy for each aspect in our lives. So it's about balance, you say, balance between different areas of life and, and how you use that, that time and energy. Yeah, and realizing that it's okay to sometimes spend 80% uh, in work, but then you only have 20% left to invest in your friends, in your family, um, in your gym routine, uh, in traveling so then you just know okay at this moment I need to step step it back a bit you can't push yourself then also mm -hmm. to uphold that ideal image what I was talking about in those other domains as well so maybe the answer because I'm, I'm thinking about it as well maybe the answer to that question how do you combine that business-like perspective and that personal perspective of you know compassion compassion towards yourself and towards uh, others maybe the answer is and might sound evident to the listeners but um, yes, you can focus on on um, higher goals of the organization, more profits, etc. on the short term, and then you might accomplish that. But it might be much more durable and sustainable if you might give in a little bit on those goals, but also focus on compassion and and on and on um, you know the well-being of your employees in the longer run. Exactly. And then the and the question then is, uh, whose responsibility is it? I remember reading an article from Erin Reed, and she talks about the ideal worker and, and organizations also push for the ideal worker. They, um, they reward the ideal worker that subverts their work over their family life. And, mm -hmm. But then again, then you actually um, feed 
that that pushing yourself beyond your limits mm-hmm. uh, so then you can never find that balance because you have the feeling well if all my other co- co-workers are working 50 hours a week how can you then be the one that works 38 hours a week mm-hmm. another question because now we focused a lot on on companies um and and organizations but i was also thinking about um the ego so you talk about um reconstructing and constructing images of the self and mm-hmm. I think the self is the ego, right? Mm-hmm. W- what is, in your opinion, how could you explain to, to somebody who doesn't know an, an, awful, an awful lot about it, what the ego is? What is it? It's a difficult question. It's a very I difficult <laughs> question. I have to go back to Eckhart Tolle. I would say that's the first one that comes into mind. Um, so the ego is... Um, if you talk about the self, the self is the person that you are in a specific moment where you, th- this is how I interpret it. Mm-hmm. So the self is the person that you feel uh, you are when you're in this flow experience, when you really feel like your true self. So I remember also during my interviews, I ask people like, when do you feel like your absolute true self? When do you feel like your absolute true self? When do I feel like that? You knew, you knew I had to... <laughs> I had to fire it back to you, uh, that question. I think when I'm in my bubble, in, in, in reading, being an introvert, whereas actually people consider me as an extroverted person, um, I feel like my true self when I'm completely in the moment, reading a book, for example, um, still being with someone, but like being together alone. So uh, it's it's really with um, yeah, mm-hmm. peace and quiet around me, I guess. Then I mm-hmm. feel like my true self. Okay. Well, sorry, I interrupted you uh, because you wanted to elaborate on, on you know, the ego. On the ego. Um, so that is, that is the self. That is the person also, for example, when you walk in the forest, when you walk in the woods and you your senses are very vividly. You hear everything, you see everything, you smell everything. The ego comes up when um, you have the feeling that for example, people judge you. You have the feeling that people are watching you. So that's that 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 inside voice, that critical inside voice in in yourself that um, that is actually creating um, that self doubt. Mm-hmm. And the moment you start doubting yourself, you actually realize it's it's not your true inner self, but it's that ego that that feels insecure and. And I, it can only exist in the past and in the future. That, that's that's the thing. And this is also something, for example, anxiety only... It, it Anxiety is always based on something that is still about to happen. So sometimes we tend to create these unrealistic scenarios that haven't even happened yet. Or we get anxious about something that has been in the past. And also the past, we can never reconstruct it again in our minds because we have this certain... Yeah, you change it already when you rethink about certain situations. So the true self is always in the here and now, I would say. The ego, yeah, maybe that's also something which is really related, is also based on things in the past or in the future. I came uh, I came across um, a quote by uh, Salinger, who's an author, or was an author, I don't know really. Um, and the quote is, I'm sick of not having the courage to be an absolute nobody. What does that tell you, that quote? I think it's really nicely worded, first of all. Um, yeah, I think it really relates to the research in, in, in the sense that he uses the words, I'm sick and tired. 
it's depleting. It feels depleting if you tr constantly try to create that image of yourself. Um, I think it relates a lot to uh, pleonexia. Pleonexia, it's, it's from Aristotle and he argues that we always want to have more in life. We want to have more, we want to be more, we want to... And I think it relates to this as well, that, that if you constantly try to push yourself to be more um, and to create an identity that, that you want to have confirmed by other people, then you can never be nobody, where you don't feel like, okay, I don't care about what people think about me, because you want always more. And how can we get rid of that? Yes, and I also think that... that our, again, our society and that the, the way we are uh, being approached by companies, we are approached as, as our ego is approached. So buy this, buy that, do this and, this, and then you will feel um, happy and you feel, you know, uh, a success. So every, every day you get this appeal uh, on, your, on your ego, right? So it also has to do with society a lot. Yeah, think, with the media, think? absolutely. So the, the 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 media that portrays products and even clothing, if you buy this, then then you belong. You, then you get back to that sense of belonging again we talked about in the beginning. Mm -hmm. If you want to belong to a certain group, you need to buy this. Um, if you want to be accepted, then you need to perform like this. Mm -hmm. That is also the, uh, the chariot um, analogy by Plato, our uh, friend of the podcast. And he, um, he says, well, in life, you are actually on a, on a chariot and uh, you are, well, the coachman on that chariot. And in front of you, you've got two horses and the horses stand for the emotions and they are very powerful. And the coachman on the chariot is the one, the little uh, coachman is the one that tries to control those emotions. And if you take a look at those horses, one of those horses really wants to stand out. He wants to, you know... Uh, be seen mm -hmm. and the other horse wants to belong um and, and that's also that makes it very difficult to to control those emotions with the little power you have in comparison with those horses do you think that is also applicable to your research this this analogy what, what do you think well i think the funny thing there is that that also if you look at for example hipsters the phenomenon of hipsters do they still exist i do i do think they're still existing um they want to stand out by being being different but by all be trying to be different, everyone is the same. Yeah. So it's a little bit like that. So, so, so on the one hand, we, we want to be different and we want to stand out. And how can we not be part of everyone? But at the same time, if we try to do that, yeah, then everyone is the same. Yeah. And then the question as well the is, and when are you then authentic? And what is authenticity? I'm, I'm not sure anymore if they're there is something such as authenticity. Well, well, what is your perspective on that? I'm very curious, actually. Well, I have to be honest. Um, uh, now it's not that there anymore. But uh, when I heard about your research project and uh, I, I met you in the, in the corridor, in the hallway, I was really aware of what I was saying. I, am I being authentic? Because that's something that Joy, uh, <laughs> you know, it looks after. So, um, um, but I have to agree. I, I, I think you will lose yourself in, in answering that question. What is authentic authenticity? I, I think it's really difficult to grasp. Yeah, I, I think authenticity agree. comes back to that true self by being in the moment, um, by feeling your senses, by 
yeah by being okay with being you and don't think like in the beginning i also mentioned that sometimes you monitor the environment to see okay how should i behave now what should what shall i say in order to fit into this group and i think being authentic is to let go of all of that to not be so aware and so monitoring your environment but by just being you and that that is okay so being in the here and now has a lot to do with authenticity i guess okay i also think by the way that that social media actually emerged because of the combination of standing out and fitting in so yes you can get a lot of followers uh, you you have the feeling that you are part of a community but you also have this platform this personal platform to show the world who you are and what you're good at and to which country you went and so standing out and fitting in really comes together mm-hmm. on those on those social media that's yeah and i think that there's something interesting as well because there's this this contrast for example last week i watched a documentary uh do you still follow me it was on Driedok in 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 holland um and what one of those influencers said was that on the one hand people are following you because they like your identity they like the way you are but at the same time the influencer themselves is very aware of what kind of pictures get the most likes so they well reform their instagram page in such a way that they only post pictures that get a lot of likes so actually they don't perform their true identities anymore on 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 instagram so mm. it's 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 like this very big contrast that people follow you because of who you are but you present yourself in such a way what the followers like so that's that's a sort of a how would you call it? a vacuum right is it, is it i don't know it's it's a paradox maybe i don't it's know sort of a paradox yeah i don't know i have to say by the way that that um i deleted my instagram account my facebook account just a couple of years High ago five. well done I, we cannot do that yeah, uh, least, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but um and I love it. <laughs> yeah, how do you experience it? Well, I was uh, it was like a detox in the beginning, uh, really. So I just grabbed my phone and wanted to do something, but I no longer had it, that account. So, But I now love it. Um, but I now understand by this conversation that it still applies to me. Mm-hmm. It was a question, how does this apply to me if I don't have social media? But I still understand how it works in my professional life, in my private life. So how do you, how does it apply? Well, that, that this 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 uh, idea of being perfect and 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 uh, you know pushing pushing yourself beyond the limits and always do good, um, uh, always perform on those different even even in, per, in in my personal life to perform. That mm-hmm. is ridiculous, actually. Now I think yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, so that, yes, that's a, that still applies to me, yeah. uh, even though I haven't got social media accounts. I yeah. do have LinkedIn, by the way. But okay. And you know the funny thing is like a be. Uh, because of my research, I had to re-download Instagram again, and I uh, because I wanted to find people that were interested in having an interview with me. And the moment I opened Instagram, I directly noticed that I got influenced again. So I saw pictures from people at the gym, and they were doing this and that. And then I thought I directly noticed myself comparing myself to them and what am i doing and am i doing such fun stuff as well so the moment you open it you you realize how toxic it actually is and yeah maybe that is also something that i it, it's not that i give the devices the fault but it's the competitive 
uh, atmosphere that that is created on these platforms. Mm-hmm. Yes. And really trying to pimp yourself and to promote yourself in such a way that you get that confirmation, that you get that feeling of okay, I belong here as well. Okay. So should we delete our social media accounts to the listeners right now? Um, I would plead for Cal Newport's approach. Cal Newport has written the book Digital Minimalism. And he argues that you only should use those accounts that um, that really help you further in life. So that really make a difference in your life. So for example, if you are a web designer or a designer that sells their clothes, for example, through Instagram, um, yes, then you are in need of that platform. If you are a person that wants to show other people what you're eating during lunch on your Instagram account, hmm, is that really what you need? I don't know. So the moment you you, you use an, uh, a social media platform, think about it for yourself. Do I really need this? Does it, uh, does it add value to my life? No, then delete it, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And just like, as you said, go through that period of detox and experience what it does to you once you've deleted it okay um i think we're going towards the end uh, joy last question um so you already mentioned that you deleted your uh, social media accounts um but is there something in your mindset uh, or behavior that you've learned from your research project that you have changed some some very important thing that you've changed uh, because of what you're doing in day in day out um i think i i think we're all still vulnerable and susceptible for trying to raise the bar in a certain way and i think it's also okay to do that but i also focus more on being good enough um it's okay who you are as a person and to accept that and I think that is something to to always keep in mind. So I, yes, I do think that I stepped away from um, comparanoia, from obsessively comparing myself to other people and to being very content with the person that I am and to um, be grateful for that every day. So every day I'm working on being grateful of who I am, what I stand for, what I find important, and constantly reconnecting my values to the way I'm actually living my life. I think that is a perfect end of this uh, podcast, uh, Joy. Thank you so much for uh, being the first guest of the podcast. Again, from next episodes on, you will be together with me hosting this podcast. And thank you, Marike, for uh, producing this episode. And dear listeners, um, thank you for joining. I hope you loved it as much as we did. Please highlight the 3rd of December, 8 p.m. in your agendas, as that will be the next time we will broadcast Plato at the Hub live. And you can also uh, watch it or listen it back. And for now, we wish you all a nice evening. Be safe and kind to each other and to yourself, I think. Goodbye. Thank, thank, Thank you for listening to Plato at the Hub. We hope to see you tuning in next time. 